42, meaning of life. You know why that is, apparently? Why 42 is the meaning of life? Just no. Douglas Adams. How you say 42 in Japanese also sounds very close to how you say death in Japanese. Hmm. The, the play was that the meaning of life is death, and 42 sounds like death in Japanese. Oh, that's good. Oh. There you wow. go. Fun There's fact your intro. You. Hello and welcome to Mystery Dungeons and Dark Rise, a Pokemon role-playing adventure and the tale of two young trainers and their journey together through the Yumei region. I'm Coatsy and I'm your DM. Now, before we start, I've got an announcement to make. This is the new and improved Mystery Dungeons and Dark Rise. It is the... Sexier. What's the date? It is the 4th of April that we're recording this. So, yeah, you've finally got a sort of experience on how far ahead we were recording this is the first episode after the update on the system we were previously using so we've taken a month off if you were listening from then you'll you know this we were away for a little while but we're back we've adapted our own system we're back stronger Uh, uh, we didn't really follow the rules anyway I said this to the other two. I was like, we weren't really following the rules anyway, so we'll just make up our own from here. It'll still be great for you. It's all about the story, and things will be no different apart from the fact that we've changed everything. (laughs) (laughs) There is no Chuck. There is no Chuck. (laughs) Only Only Zool. Yeah, so that's my update. I'm I'm, I'm excited. Well, I'm Jack, and I play Felix. Sexier version. (laughs) Shy but stubborn boy. Who is still sweating after the hot, hot, hot battle uh, him and Chuck have just Ooh, gone yeah. through Ooh, with Dwayne. Uh, speaking of hot, a little fact, seeing as Coatsy is imposing these on us again. Uh, it's not the first time that Felix has actually been inside a volcano-themed gym. He once oh, took yeah. a school trip to Cinnabar Island uh, to meet Blaine and had a tour of the gym over there before it all imploded and erupted. So he wasn't very far away from Chuck then. Chuck just no. couldn't afford to get there. Small world. Mm. Very small. Speaking of Chuck, I'm Chris. I play Chuck. Well, the new and improved Chuck, who cares even less about the rules than he did before. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Not thought about he, that. He's the son of a nurse, Joy, who moved from Pewter City to the Yume region. Um, eh, sort of on the fire theme. So, Chuck's favourite pro pokey bending team are the Fire Furrets. <laughs> Oh, like that one, oh, we've got to make that a thing. Yeah. Seeing as we're making everything up now, pro pokey bending. It'd be like a tri- I guess it's just a triple battle, but Water they have type, to be fire type, ground type, ground type. Well, they have, well, they have those like, it, was it Gen Five that introduces like pledge moves as well? That if you use like water oh, yeah, and grass pledge. ones together, then they did whatever it was. Oh, right. Oh. Well, seeing as we're making stuff up. Eventually, I will make that up. Nice. <laughs> and we'll we'll try and do something like that. It'll be fine. It might not be in pod, but we'll make it available for people. Okay, so yes, yeah, speaking of last episode, I'll do the recap because it has been a while. Obviously, we did take quite the quite the hiatus. Um, <laughs> After quite God. a teased hiatus. What a throwback <laughs> to that. Christ. Um, <laughs> Kevin! Please answer me, Kevin! <laughs> I just want a date with Kevin. <laughs> I just want to go out and give it. Anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're missing out. 
Yes, so last episode, you woke up on the island of Kokowanatu uh, in a hut after having fought the Kraken, or the giant tentacruel. Mm. Uh, and you woke up, and we immediately found out that Chuck Swinub had evolved into a pillar swine. Yeah, boy. You were woken up by a guy called Mackie, and you were led through this Hawaiian native village with wooden huts, like farms. Loads of people were staring at you as you were walking through. It was a bit like, oh, why are they looking at us like they are? But they, but they are looking. And uh, you were taken to meet Dwayne, who was the chief of the tribe. What was his um? What was his full name? <laughs> <laughs> his full name was. <laughs> How far have we got to scroll up? So I'm making uh, you sweat about as much as I am at the moment, Jesus. Kiyahi Koa Kamiya Akilani. Thank you. Also known as? Also known as Dwayne. <laughs> and he looks like The Rock. What's the what's the island called? Kakoanutu. What's the island called in Moana? I have no Motunui. idea. Motunui, yeah. Yeah, Motunui. Mm. I, I, went for co- I went for a coconut thing. Nice. Yes, so Dwayne uh, spoke to you, and he knows a lot more about like the past and everything but he didn't want to tell you everything because he didn't know exactly who you were and you found like he had a table that was taken from a great council of the humans from the great war and like all their leaders used to sit around it and you two happened to sit in the two seats where the old heroes used to sit and there was a big thing about that but before he'd tell you anything really he said i need you or i've got a challenge for you and lo and behold it turns out that Dwayne was the gym leader of the Misty Islands. We know that the Misty Island gym was shut before, but he opened it specially for you. You also found out that Kai is part of the tribe. Kai, obviously, you met in the Pokemon Center with Nurse Joy. Uh, he heals your Pokemon up and then sits with you while you battle Dwayne. It's a double battle, and it was a really good... Like, you both had... It was clutch. Both of you had clutch battles going on there. Ludicolo did the bits for Chuck and managed to As uh, always. steal a win. But I think the MVP and the newly evolved Houdini into a Snorlax, ripping off a stalagmite, throwing it in some lava, and then hyper-beaming out of his eyes. To take <laughs> Just down, insane. Just to take down Dwayne's insane. Pokemon was a great highlight. So you both beat Dwayne. You got the flamethrower TM, and then Dwayne left the gym, and that's where we finished the episode. So it was. It was also your first gym fight where you had an audience, and they were loving life. They thought it was amazing. So. 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 You ready? Uh, what, what do we do again? You ready for some answers? We're going to roll some dice, Jack. Cool. Ah, that's what, that's what these or, or, or do we? Are. Or do we anymore? Maybe, maybe just make it up. Yeah, we'll 20. Just play it on showdown. <laughs> flip, we'll flip a coin instead of rolling a <laughs> dice. And tails, damn it. Uh, right. Heads, you caught Arceus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just through which Pokemon appears. Uh, oh, you're gonna like this one. It was a two. It was a two for one choice, but you're gonna like it. Okay, that's enough waffle. You can tell we've not done this for a while. Anyway, till the next episode. I was clean shaven the last time we did this, and now you look like you've been on Castaway. It's been seventy-one years. <laughs> so, after the gym battle, your Pokemon are healed by Kai. Thanks, Kai. Before he bids you farewell and good luck. He promises to keep what you were doing secret 
as he doesn't want to worry the joys. Good. You take him back to your little hut by Mackie. You mill about throughout the day, have a little play with your Pokemon. All's good. Enjoy the weather. As the night sky draws in, you get a knock on the hut on the door of your hut, and Mackie stands in front of you. He seems a lot warmer towards you than you were on your previous encounter this morning. Good evening. Your presence has been requested. If you'll follow me. So you follow Mackie, I'm guessing. Yes. You, yeah, you haven't yeah, really yeah, got a choice. You could be like, nah, I'm all right. <laughs> I, mean, I'm I, right just, here. I think we've had enough. Yeah. Nah, fuck this. End campaign. I'm done. So Mackie leads you through the village, which seems oddly empty, with none of the workers or children that you saw earlier on in the day around. You can hear the sound of waves going back and forth, and you feel a warm evening breeze on your skin as Mackie leads you towards a beach on the other side of the village. As you arrive on the beach, you see all the villagers are stood waiting for your arrival, and Dwayne is stood in front of them, his magmar beside him. A huge pile of wood has been erected behind them. Dwayne quietens the murmurings of the villagers and speaks. Well, you boys put on quite the match today. It's been a long time since I was bested in battle. Tonight is a celebration. A celebration of the battles of old, the battles to come, and of course, to the hero's return. And the villagers let out a massive cheer. And from somewhere, the beating of drums starts up like it did in the gym, getting faster and faster and faster until Magmar lets out a big ball of flame into the air, which rises higher and higher and higher and then falls, landing straight on the pile of wood, setting off a massive bonfire. Eat, drink and enjoy yourselves. Tonight we celebrate our honoured guests and the crowds let out another cheer as music starts playing and some of the villagers start to dance. Two small children run forwards, each holding a necklace made from string with some multicoloured stones at the end that seem to shine in the moon's light. Another two children come forward with lays made from brightly coloured flowers and they drape them around your necks. So over the next few hours, you eat, drink, even have a little dance. Maybe not Felix, but, you know, Chuck has a little dance. <laughs> Chuck definitely does with Churro. He, Chuck and Churro. Definitely has a dance with Churro. And you have a whale lord of a time. <laughs> Things are starting to get a little bit quieter when Dwayne comes over to both of you. I'm sorry to interrupt your evening, but if you two could follow me, and Dwayne leads you back through the village, which is now illuminated by tiki torches. He takes you all the way back to the hut you first met him in and he takes a seat at the table and he invites you two to do the same. Before I answer your questions, as I said I would in the last episode, I would like you to tell me your story. With greater understanding, I may be able to help you on your quest. I'm not going to make you retail it because it's you know, 40 episodes in. <laughs> That'd take a while. So you regale your tale to him, unless you don't want to. Do you want to? Yeah, we want to. Well, I cool. want to. Chuck wants to. You regale your tale, and Dwayne just sits there in silence. His expression doesn't change throughout. And after you're done, he puts his hands together in front of his face, and he takes everything in for a moment. For a few minutes, he just sits there in silence before eventually he looks up and speaks. 
first of all, I am astounded by how easily you've taken on this burden. For two so young, the weight of your path cannot be an easy one to bear. You have endured trials that should be well above your means, but you have overcome everything that has been thrown at you. You mentioned that you two were sent here in search of a shining temple. One where the pirate buried... I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> one where a pirate buried a great treasure, leaving behind a stone tablet with a hidden code of tre the treasure's location. This is partly correct. The pirate known as Olivia Le... <laughs> As That's Olivia, a hard one to say in that. that is, it's even harder to say than fucking Dwayne's real name. The pirate known as Olivia Larch Eviesser sailed to the Misty Islands a few hundred years ago from the Kalos region. He heard of rumours telling of an ancient temple with a priceless treasure inside. He searched these parts for years and years without any clue of the mysterious treasure. But one night, his ship was destroyed in a torrential storm and his entire crew lost. But somehow, he and his partner Pokemon survived, washing up on the shore of a remote island that even after years of searching the area, he did not recognise. They explored the island, looking for a way to get back to the mainlands, when they came across a shining temple. But before he got inside, he was attacked by Pokemon native to the island. Somehow he managed to get back to the water, where his faithful Pokemon helped him get away. They were soon picked up by a group of sailors, but the injuries he sustained took their toll, and he died before making it back to the mainland. With his last words, he told the sailors about the Shining Temple on a mysterious island, and that's where the story has started. Over time, the tale has changed. Details were lost, culminating in the tale that you were told before coming to these parts. So Chuck's scratching his head and says, so the, the stone tablet then, does that mean anything? The tablet itself has nothing to do with the pirate treasure. In fact, the tablet was brought to the Misty Islands around the same time the temple was built, placed here so that if the Chosen Ones came once more, it would reveal them to those who seek to aid them. But as the legend of the pirate treasure spread, and more people came to the Misty Islands to search, many believed it was left behind by Archie himself as a sort of map in a hidden language to be deciphered and followed to find the treasure. So that's how Make knew who we were. Yeah, it's all sort of starting to fall into place. Has anybody been able to decipher the tablet? Well, I mean, before we arrived? My people know what the tablet says, yes. Can you tell us? <laughs> Is it something along the lines of forward the power to bring balance? Uh, Takeshi, Dwayne looks at you... <laughs> open-eyed and like curiously and he's like ah well yes <laughs> the, the template reads for with the power to bring balance of human and monster combined he shall come and judgment will be brought upon us but a time will follow when scattered with trials of earth ice and steel he shall reveal himself and his test will show you the way well, that bit's new. That bit's new. He looks at you confused. So you haven't heard the prophecy before? Well, we've heard the prophecy, but it always ended at, and judgment will be brought upon us. So we always thought it sounded like a pretty bad thing. He scratches his head. He doesn't really know what to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and neither do I. <laughs> 
So what's this path that it's talking about? The meaning behind the text, that is not for me to know. It is not for me to find out. That is for the heroes of old, or I guess for you guys to discover. The prophecy was made to foretell your coming and to help you find your way on your quest. The fact that you've not heard half of the prophecy, I can't tell you anything about that. Maybe parts of it got lost over time. Maybe things were not shared between other tribes like they were with ours. But that is what the tablet says. Chuck's rubbing his eyes and he says, but this still doesn't make sense. Why now? Why us? What's going on in the world? There's Team Nightmare, but why now? He looks at you with a sad, slightly sad look in his eye. Why now? I, I can't tell you. This is the way of the world. Things happen for a reason. There will have been a reason that you two were brought into this when you were. Maybe Team Nightmare have something to do with it. Maybe something new that they had to be stopped. But what really matters is that you're here now. Chuck looks at him dead on and says, When I mentioned Mew last time, you reacted quite strongly. What's its role in this? Is it just a messenger? To see a Mew in these parts is rare. Mew is an honoured Pokemon amongst my people. It brought together the Chosen and is held in high regard and legend amongst the tribe for helping end the Great War. What he's doing here now, other than helping you like it did the heroes of old, I don't have an answer for that. Hmm. Yeah, Felix looks at Chuck and sort of puts his arm on his shoulder and goes, huh, is uh, that enough answers for you? I'm sure you've still got plenty of questions yet unsolved. Well, yeah, I'm always going to have more questions, but I guess the, the main one now is, what do we do now? got to rescue Derek. Derek, We, we yeah. brought him into all this mess. That's a good point. Dwayne, have you heard tell of men being captured and, and taken anywhere? Unfortunately, more often than not recently, with the Aqua crew changing the path that they were leading in this life, yes, people have been taken. They're not a great group of people. They once were. They once helped the people of these areas. With the ships passing through, they helped deliver essential necessities to all people around the Misty Islands but something happened to them and now they've just turned into a well a bunch of pirates do you know what they were looking for? I think they're looking for the temple they captured a pirate that we we had some run-ins with that said he knew where it was and he had it all written down in his journal a guy by the name of Max Swallow to that name Dwayne lets out a big sigh <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I knew this was going to come back and bite me in the ass one day. Yes, Mac does know the location. <laughs> does know. Mac has discovered the location of the temple once before. How, I do not know, but he has been there. Do you know where it is? Yes, I know of the Shining Temple. It was built by my tribe after the Great War and hidden on an island sacred to my people. We call it... Honumukapuni, or Turtle Island in your tongue. It is like no other island in these parts, or to my knowledge, anywhere else in the world, and we have kept its existence hidden since the beginning. The island is older than any landmass you or I have ever seen or heard of, and it lies on the back of an ancient Pokemon, an ancestor of the Pokemon we now call Blastoise. Hmm. Sick. That's awesome. And is that Pokemon still alive? Yes. Oh, Rot-Row. Right, right. It's not necessarily a bad thing. No, potentially not. Okay, 
We're taking all, all this in. Felix looks at Chuck, looks at Dwayne, and kind of says, well, if Mac's been there once and he wrote it down in his diary, which the Aqua crew have now stole, chances are that's where they're headed next. I think we've got to head them off. They may already be there. We don't know what they could be trying to do. Dwayne, do you think you could help us get there? Dwayne is taking in what you're asking him to do. And he sat there thinking in silence for about a minute. And then he looks at both of you. Me and my tribe can take you to the island. And we can take you to the temple. But I warn you, you might find more than you bargained for when you get there. I can't tell you what will happen. But my people built that temple for a reason. And I believe that reason will only be known to the heroes. But if that is where we must go to rescue your friend, I pledge to do whatever I could to help you in your quest, and I will honour that pledge. Chuck looks at him dead on and says, Thank you, Dwayne. I'm sure it's nothing that we've not already handled before. (laughs) At this point, nothing's really going to surprise me. Having said that, we need a boat and we need some men. Now a boat and some men... I can get covered. Go back to your hut. Rest up. I will wake you early and we will leave in the morning. Chuck doesn't sleep overnight and instead him and Boomer are just kind of up, pensive in thought, mentally preparing. Felix out like a fucking light. <laughs> Felix takes takes some time before he, he does go to sleep, but he takes some time, sat on the water's edge with Pratchett knowing that this journey has already been so much more than you could ever expect or imagine and after meeting with Dwayne and speaking to him knowing that what's to come is probably going to be even crazier so he just takes the time to be thankful for where he is to be surrounded by Pratchett and the rest of his team and as he gets up to go back to the hut obviously he sees Chuck and Boomer still doing whatever they're doing being pensive looking angsty into the distance he puts a hand on Chuck's shoulder as he's become accustomed to now I know we've conquered a lot together but I think things are only going to get tougher from here I, uh, I'm i glad that Pratchett's here with me but I'm also glad that you're here with me Chuck Chuck breaks his gaze away from looking out into the ocean looks at Felix and says I've always got your back buddy and then they do a predator handshake <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful <laughs> oh it actually brought a little tear to my Okay, so early the next morning, we hear a knock at the hut door, and the door opens, and Dwayne is stood in the doorway. He's wearing a grass skirt and is covered in white paint in fancy shapes all over his body. Uh, Chuck wants wants that. (laughs) I I, I need some more paint. He holds a finger to his lips and beckons you to follow him. And he leads you through the village once more and down towards the beach where you were partying last night. The large pile of wood is still glowing orange in the early morning darkness. And standing around it are a small group of villagers who are also wearing grass skirts and covered in white paint. More villagers, similarly dressed, are stood by the water's edge, attaching bags to a small herd of lapras. I know it's early, but we've got quite the journey ahead of us. And one of the villagers runs over to you carrying a rucksack, and you realise as he gets closer that it's Kai. Morning, you two. I couldn't miss an opportunity to visit the island. 
Besides, since you helped calm the Pokemon of the jungle in War Tortuga, the Pokemon Center has been fairly quiet, so I'm sure Joy and Chansey can cope without me for a few days. And he gives you a wink. If you two want to change your party, now is the time to do it. I'm not sure how much signal we're going to get when we get to the temple. Okay. Kai sort of pulls out the device in his bag that he used in the gym. So now is your time to change your party. I'm going to take with me Pratchett the Grottle, Houdini the Snorlax, Momo the Gligar, Inky the Haunter, and Maximus, Maximus, the Magma. Maximus, Maximus. Cool. Tidy little party there. Yep. I'm going to take Boomer the Charmeleon, Rowdy the Lucario, Mako the Gabite, Chiro the Ludicolo, and Pennybags the Pillow Swine. Strong. Yeah, we're going beefy today. Yeah, Felix gets his party ready, obviously, as I've discussed. Uh, and on the night of the celebrations, when we were on the island and, and dancing and drinking and being merry, Felix and Maximus took some time with Dwayne and his magma to nice. do a bit of training together. Nice. And we used the TM uh, flamethrower then to teach Maximus flamethrower. Sweet. Okay, we're all kitted out. All kitted out. Right. If you are ready, we will set off. And Dwayne and Kai walk towards the other villagers who are all stood in the water by the Lapras. I was going to say, there's nine other villagers in total. Okay. So there's 11 of them total with Kai and Dwayne and you two makes 13. Okay. Is Felix all camoed up still? Oh, definitely. 100%. Did I get war pain? Uh, yeah, sure. You can have some war pain. Sick with my Alolan shirt. So, you go and stand with the other villagers in the shallow water, the Lapras splashing around in front of you. But then the villagers withdraw the Lapras and you hear a distant hum as from down the beach speeds a very modern white double-decker mini yacht. (laughs) Dwayne turns and smiles at you. You didn't think we were going to travel all that way on Lapras, did you? <laughs> and he chuckles to himself as the boat pulls into the shallow water and everybody climbs aboard. You speed through the open water as the sun slowly climbs above the horizon. A golden light illuminates the different islands that you pass. The villagers are sat in small groups chatting to one another and Kai walks over to both of you. You two ready? think we're nearly where we need to be. Jack looks at Boomer, whose flame on her tail is just so vibrant, so vigorous. You can see her skin just sort of glowing in the golden light, and he says, I think we're ready. Felix looks at Pratchett, who's been sat in the corner, just with his eyes closed the whole time, just absorbing the morning sun. Felix looks at him and goes, Pratchett, you ready, buddy? And his eyes open with a steely glaze. He gives a firm nod. Not feeling very sassy today. Nice. The engines start to die down and the yacht starts to glide through the water as everybody stands up, heading to the back of the boat. As you follow them, you see that the Lapras have been released from their Pokeballs and are floating in the water as the other villagers climb onto their backs in threes. Kai turns to you and he says, don't look so nervous, you'll be riding with me. And he gives you a little wink. As soon as you're the last ones on board, one of the Lapras swims over to the rear of the boat and Kai steps onto the shell on its back and then sits down with one leg either side of its neck. And we'll get the rolls going. Uh, Dex checks. 
Ooh. Not 20. Oh. <laughs> ha! No, 14. Okay, you both pass, so no one falls in the water. That's a shame. Any flair on that for me? Yeah, how, how does Chuck get on with his natural 20? Chuck just steps onto the Lapras with ease and uh, and almost kind of takes up a surfing stance. He says, hey, this feels uh, this feels kind of cool. Lapras surfing, is that a thing? Chuck's going to surf the Lapras all the yeah. way. <laughs> Felix is like, just sit the fuck down, honestly. <laughs> you know when you're on the uh, on the tube sometimes and you like try and surf it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you both get onto the back of the Lapras. Dwayne, who is sat on his own Lapras, lets out a high-pitched whistle, and the whole herd starts to glide forwards through the water. You hear the roar of an engine as the boat speeds back in the direction you came from. After a while, you feel the Lapras slow down, and Dwayne holds up a hand. You notice a slight twitch coming from your arms, like a little numbness spreading across your forearm. Oh, so a different feeling to what we normally feel. Hmm. Kai turns around and whispers to you. Honomukapuni protects itself with a dense mist. It's nearly impossible to navigate on a large boat, but a smaller vessel or a Pokemon can navigate through the island's wake. And he shows you this as you enter a white fog and the Lapras is bobbing up and down as you go over like small waves created from you don't know what. After about 20 minutes, the fog starts to clear and you see an island roughly the size of War Tortuga and covered in thick jungle with a narrow white beach running around the circumference. The water around it is rippling gently. Dwayne leads the herd of Lapras to the shore and everyone starts to disembark, sliding over the side of the shell onto the beach. As you step onto the sand, you feel a light vibration under your feet and get a weird butterfly sensation in your stomach. Kai claps you both in the back and laughs. Your arms start to burn slightly, with a sharp pain rippling up your muscles. Don't worry, lads. You get used to the sensation. And then everybody ducks down low as Dwayne signals to one of the villagers and he takes a seat on the sand next to the Lapras. Stay low and stay quiet. With any luck, we won't have any problems. Looks like, what problems are you expecting? Kai just smirks and says, you'll see. Oh, jeez. I'm glad I haven't got Snorlax out at this point. (laughs) Dwayne leads you into the thick jungle crouching low and making a path through the thick trees and vines. After about half an hour, he stops abruptly and holds up a hand, signalling for you to do the same. After a minute or two, Dwayne calls you forwards quietly. He puts a finger to his lips and he points through the green vegetation in front of where you are, and you can hear a loud buzzing noise. Give me perception. Nat 20. (laughs) Right. It's a good start between us today. <laughs> yeah. What'd you get, Chuck? Uh, 15. Okay, cool. Right, with a 15 and nat 20, definitely with a nat 20. So you peer through the leaves and your eyes widen as you take in the scene in front of you. A larger than normal black and yellow Pokemon with four long lance-like stingers and a fifth black stinger at the end of its striped abdomen stabs a large pile of vines repeatedly. 
until four red-tipped arms that start to swat the air wildly. And then a, the mass of vines stands up, raising about ten feet off, like ten feet tall. And it just whomps the bug Pokemon out of the air. It sends it crashing straight into the ground. And the black and yellow Pokemon just sort of shakes itself off, flies into the air again, staring down this mass of vines before turning around and flying deep back into the jungle. The mass of vines waits around for another minute or two before slinking away, its long vines dragging across the floor behind it. Look in the jumbo. <laughs> Dwayne turns to you and whispers, The ancient Pokemon on this island are like no other Pokemon found in the wild. They've been left alone without any human contact, and they've evolved to make the most of the environment here on Honumokapuni. Those two Pokemon were ancestors of Beedrill and Tangrowth. Stay alert. They will not hesitate to attack if they see you. Now, let's keep going. We're almost there. You move past the clearing where the two old Pokemon were, and you see a white glow coming through the jungle ahead of you. You keep walking and the light gets brighter and brighter until you break through the last of the leaves and vines coming into a massive clearing. You hold your hands up to protect your eyes from the light when a cloud passes overhead and you see that the light was actually reflecting off an old looking building made completely of metal with large smooth walls and a domed roof and steps leading up to the entrance with tall metal pillars on either side. Dwayne turns to the others and shouts orders to them, and before you know it, they've just disappeared into the jungle, and you're left alone with Dwayne and Kai. This is it, the Shining Temple. My people built it just after the Great War, but it seems like no one else is here. Let's wait around and see if anybody shows up. Follow me. And Dwayne leads you up the steps leading into the temple. The symbol on your arm just ignites and burns a bright white. Chuck recoils in pain. Yeah, is it, is it, is it a painful sensation? Yeah, I'd say it's really stinging. Before, when you've gone to places, like it's felt really uncomfortable, but then you've had a few times when it, you felt this kind of sensation before. But this feels a bit... Okay. It's just like a, a sharper jab in your arm. Chuck shouts and says... Ah, Felix, something's wrong. Yeah, Felix has grasped his other hand over his tattoo marking, whatever it is, to try and numb it a bit. Yeah, it's not, it's not going away. Kai and Dwayne turn around and see you like grasping your arms. Kai runs forward straight away and he's like, "Oh, what's wrong? Here, let me have a look." And he grabs your arm, one of your arms, and he just sees the symbol just glowing. And he looks at Dwayne, who looks back just expressionless and just says, follow me. So the four of you walk into the temple. And just like the outside, everything on the inside is made with the same reflective metal. The room itself looks empty at first. But then on the far side of the room, you see an all too familiar sight. A long steel panel with a large image etched into it. Your arms are glowing brighter and brighter, and you hear Dwayne and Kai gasp 
as time seems to slow and you step forwards instinctively. The image of monsters and men gathering as Arceus descends from the sky stands in front of you and you reach out to touch the image of Arceus. You hear the muffled cries of Dwayne and Kai from a distance as everything goes black. You come to. One side of your face is chilled by the cold metal floor. And you look around to see a large room with six metal pillars standing in two rows of three in the middle. Suddenly the room shines bright, almost blinding you, much like it did on the outside when hit by the sun's rays. And after a short while the room goes back to normal. And you notice a doorway at the far end of the room Inside, something large, illuminated by light, hovers off the ground, spinning slowly on the spot. I guess we approach it. You ready? Before we do, Felix turns to Chuck and goes, I guess this is it. Let's see what happens. And takes a step forward. Chuck takes a step forward as well and says, and just shouts at this object in the distance, says, Well, we're here. <laughs> We're waiting. The room is once again filled with a bright white light. And while you turn your head and close your eyes, you hear a loud crash in front of you, followed by an all too familiar sound. The light stops shining and you look up to see a gray spherical shaped Pokemon with a black line running all the way down the center of its body. Six red glowing dots in a hexagonal pattern shine in the middle of its chest. Your Pokedex pings Reggie Steel. Fuck, no way! Reggie Steel, the iron Pokemon. Its body is harder than any metal found upon this planet. Its body is also hollow, and its food source remains a mystery. Hopefully its food source isn't two ten-year-old hmm. boys. From behind the Reggie Steel, you see a metal panel slide down blocking the doorway on the opposite side of the room and I'll leave the rest to you um, we win and we get to go through the door <laughs> mm. yeah the new <laughs> rules aren't quite that lax <laughs> I thought it was just a coin toss now anyways Felix turns to Chuck and goes I mean I can try and talk to it or do you just want to get in there Chuck says to Felix he says, I think we tried that last time didn't we I'm going to go take up position behind one of these pillars. I suggest you take another one. Phoenix nods. So what's the yeah, what's the layout of the room like? What are we... Uh... Big spherical room. Six pillars, six-sided dice dots. Yeah. Doorway at the back, I'm guessing. Are we... So we'll be at one end to take it, yeah. Yeah. It's the same layout as all the other temples. But just, yeah. A big circle. Okay. Right, I'll take... The left one, if you want to take the right one to start with, I guess. Yep. So who's gone left, who's gone right? Jack's gone right. Felix has gone left. Let's roll initiative. That is 11 for moi. 17. So, Chuck, you win the initiative order. You're going to go first. But Sweet. before anything happens, the start of the round, going to roll a D6-2. So nothing is going to happen. Ooh. Cool. Fantastic. Interesting. Big fan of that. Some mechanics at play here. Big fan of nothing happening. Okay. Chuck turns to Boomer and says, we've been preparing for this. Let's kick things off. Flamethrower. 
So Boomer lets out and rears her head back and just goes chah, and then just a massive fireball just cascades into the Registeel. Nice. The Registeel is going to hold up its arms in front of its face and is going to take the brunt of the mm. flamethrower. Its arms just start to like glow like a hot orange, uh, but they soon cool down again. Uh, how much damage? 11. Ooh, okay. Chuck looks at Felix and says, I'm not sure that did anything. Felix trying to hide his fears goes, don't worry, we've fought this thing's family, I guess, before. I'm sure we can get through this one as well. So Reggie Steele, after taking this white hot, like its arms glow orange from the flamethrower, sort of lets its arms go wide and then slams his hands together and fires a massive beam of light back at Boomer. Oh, shit. And he's going to use okay. a flash cannon. Oh, okay. Oh, Yeah, Boomer can't get out of the way in time. So Boomer's trying to tuck behind the pillar again, but just gets caught by this flash cannon, which seemingly absorbed some of the energy from Boomer's flamethrower. And he's going to take 18 steel damage. Yeah, so Boomer takes the hit, but he's a bit taken aback by the speed of the flash cannon that got sent yeah. back its way. Yeah, knocks her back a couple of feet. She says skidding, but she turns her attention back towards the Registeel. Felix shouts out for Pratchett to get in there and help out Boomer and Chuck. And popping out to the left side of this pillar is where we're going to go from. Felix shouts, use all that energy from this morning. Hit it with an energy ball. Registeel's yet in the middle of all six pillars at the moment. Okay. Okay, perfect. There's 21 grass damage. Oof. Uh, so that gets half to ten. Damn. Pratchett sidesteps out of the cover of this pillar, draws in the energy as it's so accustomed to doing now, and lets off with a massive energy ball, hits square into the Reggie Rock, but it just seems to dissipate around. And whilst it did take it, you know, you could tell it took a bit of damage, hits the Reggie Steel directly, but the energy kind of dissipates around it, and you can tell they're relatively unfazed by it. Before we go back to Chuck, two, nothing happens. Oh God, okay. I'm going to try something here. Right. Boomer, get in front of the Registeel. I want you to give Pratchett some cover. So, and then Chuck shouts over to Felix and says, I'll, I'll hold its attention. You get round into position and take advantage of it. And then Boomer lets out, so stands in front of the Registeel and just lets out a flamethrower. And I said, that's it, Boomer. Now hold it, hold it up. Keep it up. Right. So just keeping going as, as fast as and as long as it can with a flamethrower. Okay, cool. So I'll treat it like I'll say that you are going to use flamethrower consistently for your next few moves until you tell it to stop or you break yeah. concentration. Yep. Okay. 20 fire damage, so double to 40. Ooh. Okay. Nice. So this time the Registeel holds up its arms again and is it's trying to fight back the flamethrower and then sort of one of its arms just gets pushed back and it's taking more of the flame and it's just going to respond straight away. Boomer sees this and just puts, so takes a step forwards and puts one foot in front of the other and just really holds a position, still going with the flamethrower. And while the flamethrower is hitting this Reggie Steel, it's going to use ancient power. <laughs> the Reggie Rock, yeah, it slams its fist round and just hits Boomer with this strange glowing fist, I'm going to say is how it does its ancient power 
and just hits Boomer straight in the face. Going to do 34 damage. That's already doubled, so for resistance. 17 then doubled. Thank God for that. Swings around, hits Boomer in the face and does 17 damage, which will get doubled. And then I need you to make a concentration check. See if you can keep up the flamethrower. So she takes this blow to the gut, but still manages to take a brief pause and then gets straight back in with the flamethrower, holding it in position for Felix to take advantage of. Okay, right. You got a cozy. A little mini. It's a little mini of rum. A little bottle of... <laughs> Just uh, neat. <laughs> yeah, dead man's fingers. Dead man's finger. Yeah, for those listening, right. we are all on the rum at about one in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> on a Sunday. It's Easter weekend, it's fine. <laughs> it's Easter it's weekend and it's been a while. Yeah. Seeing Chuck and Boomer kind of take control of the battlefield and putting the Red Steel on the back foot, and even though it's only been one turn, seeing pretty much the maximum energy ball that, that Pratchett could not really do anything, Felix recalls Pratchett and says, this might not be your fight, and I know you're there to back me up if I need you. Good job so far, buddy. We are going to send out Momo. Well, I thought you were going to say Maximus. I thought we were just going to cheese it. <laughs> just I was, I was thinking. I was thinking that. <laughs> but no, I've got an idea with what to do with Momo. So Momo's going to come out. Nice. Okay. Good stuff. That's your turn. Start of the round. Yep. Nice. So, oh, as Momo enters the battlefield, the entire room lights up. The floor, the walls, the ceiling, everything shining a white light. With that bright light, your Pokemon are like startled and a little bit blinded by the light. Okay. But the Reggie Ooh, Steel okay. is going to be unaffected. Hmm. Okay. How's that going to affect the flamethrower? The background to Chuck. It's fine at the moment because it's effectively Boomer's just pumping out heat. It's just got its hmm. eyes shut while it's doing it. And you pass your concentration test. Chuck holds his arm up to cover his eyes and tries to see over to Boomer and sees that she's still going with the flamethrower and he shouts, that's it girl, keep it up. 18 fire damage. So Boomer just keeps this flame going and the Reggie Steel is edging closer and closer to Boomer, fighting its way through the flamethrower and then it just lifts one arm up and just clenches a fist and brings it straight down onto Boomer's head. It's going to oh, go for crap. a hammer arm. Ooh. 20 fighting damage. Just cracks Boomer straight on the head. Hold a 17 for the concentration. So through gritted teeth, Boomer takes this massive smash to the head, a lump coming out of its like skull. <laughs> but it keeps the flamethrower going. Very determined. Sheer force of will and determination. She keeps it up. The flame on her tail just ignites. Felix, shielding his eyes, trying to get a glimpse of the battlefield, kind of being, I guess, guided by the flamethrower as a point of reference and seeing this big hulking creature just go in and womp Boomer in the head. Felix shouts out to Gligar, get in behind that red steel. Let's take his attention away from Boomer. Hit the ground, bulldoze. Uh, 14. So it takes... 14 damage. Ooh. Ooh. So the rumble has gone through the ground, hit Reggie Steel. It's taken this damage, felt the vibrations going through the floor. It knows it's getting pinned in. But we're back round two, Chuck and Boomer. But another blinding light 
lights. The, the light is still reflecting in the entire room and blinding everybody. This time, Boomer's eyes had opened wide when her blaze kicked in. He gets caught with this massive flash of whiteness and drops the flamethrower. And Chuck shouts, All right, that's enough. Now get around, get around back to me. We'll go for a flamethrower from here. As Boomer tails it away from the Reggie Steel, it's going to lash out with another ancient power. Ooh, catches Boomer. 15 rock damage. And sends her down for the count. Shit already. Yeah, it's weak to rock and ground. What can I do? Registeel. <laughs> so yeah, so the Registeel just lashes out as Boomer turns to head back to U-Truck and just cracks it in the back and sends it flying into one of the metal pillars. And as it hits the pillar, its, its tail just starts to starts to shrink a little bit the flame Ooh, no. and then it, it just <gasps> slides down and hits the ground eyes swirling Chuck shouts Boomer no return you did exactly what I wanted you to do alright Rowdy let's show him hit it with a force palm that's 24 fighting damage Ooh. nice double so Rowdy comes out eyes lock onto this registeel and does like a capoeira pirouette strikes the floor with his palm and you just see the, the metal just kind of vibrate, sending a shockwave towards the Registeel, and then up from it just erupts a spectral, ethereal fist that just clenched the Registeel. The Registeel lets out a big cry of wow, 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 and it lifts <laughs> both of its arms in the air and just slams them down on the ground, and it's going to hit you both with a bulldoze. Sarali feels the shockwave coming back at him and just envelopes Chuck and himself. In this blue protective sphere and Momo just pings off the ground it's like na 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 <laughs> Momo's just flying, flying around flying around you will never get this you will never get this okay Momo's up Phoenix shouts show him how it's done Momo hit the ground for a bulldoze so we're going to go in the same spot again so that it's just Registeel that gets affected 13 ground damage so the yeah the Registeel sort of it rides the ripples of the bulldoze <laughs> And just sort of like surfing on the yeah, ground. like steadies itself out as the ground. It still takes a bit of damage, but uh, but otherwise it's fine. Cool. Right back before we get back to Rowdy, the bright white light disappears, and you find yourself being able to see again, and you're back in the room. Chuck shouts to Rowdy and says, "All right, let's get on in there. Charge up to it. Hit it with a bone rush." Ooh. So Rowdy, almost seemingly out of thin air, creates this blue bone-looking pole. Starts spinning it like Mackey with his fire and just starts Naruto running towards the Registeel. Nice. <laughs> As Lucario brings the, the bone down, uh, the Registeel just holds up one arm and just blocks it. You just see this crackle of like, it's almost electricity. Yeah. Um, just resisting the, the bone. And then it's going to come in low and it just punches Rowdy straight in the stomach mm. with another hammer arm. That's 20 fighting. Oh, shit. Rowdy tries to move itself into a position where it can like protect itself again, but for s don't know why or how the hammer arm comes in so quickly and just catches him in the stomach, just winding him. Yeah. And we're back round to Momo. Seeing Rowdy take another swing from the Registeel and seeing the damage that the Registeel's already done to Chuck's party, Felix is trying to get the attention of the Registeel to move away from Chuck and his team and, and focus on Momo a little bit. No, Momo's got 
bit of extra agility and obviously he's flying around to try and distract him so we're just gonna go again Philip shouts out come on Momo this is the one big hit into the ground let's put it on his ass bulldoze with a bit more vigor and a bit more gusto Momo locks eyes with Lucario as he heads towards the ground to try and give him a bit of a, a warning you know so he's ready and, and takes a, a battle stance essentially to keep his feet firm you will take 15 ground damage so double to 30 Tidy. Lucario senses the bulldoze coming because he's just locked he catches Momo's glint as he's gliding through the air and sort of backflips over the shockwave chucks out Sick. now's, now's your opportunity hit him, with, hit him again hit him with a bone rush and the bone-shaped hole just comes out again with a crackle. As the bone ru- as Lucario swings for the bone rush, the entire room lights up again. As the blinding whiteness fills the room, Lucario's bone comes crashing down on the floor, just short of the target. The Reggie Steel will turn so it's side-on with both Pokemon, and it's going to hold out its other arm which glows white and it's going to fire off a flash cannon at Momo 26 steel damage ooh that's a big hit mm. Momo takes it right into the chest knocks a bit of the wind out of its sails and almost puts Gligar onto the floor it just recovers in time to, uh, to keep hovering just above the ground you can tell she's winded big time and now Momo's up with this glaring brightness that's going on trying to make out which is which of the Registeel and Lucario in this battle not wanting to risk it and maybe knowing that Lucario is such a strong Pokemon might be able to deal a bit more of a blow Felix still shielding his eyes shouts out to Momo getting close hit it with a faint attack all in all in melee combat all in this together (laughs) Momo launches towards these two creatures, tries to make contact with what she thinks is the Registeel, but just whiffs big time, just kind of catches a glancing blow off its metallic body, but doesn't make any damage at all. Knowing what's coming, Chuck shouts to Rowdy and says, we're going to have to go back to our old battle style. Close your eyes. <laughs> Which might help, because the whole room is still lit up. Lucario focuses in, Chuck shouts, focus in on its aura, focus in on mine. So something Chuck and Rowdy have been working on is being able to the ability to soul bond, having been reading through the uh, the, aw- the awesome auras of Lucario book that Shino and Takeshi kindly loaned to us. So what soul bond's going to do is Lucario's going to be able to see through Chuck's eyes and make himself harder to hit as a result of that. But it will require concentration. So Lucario closes his eyes and Chuck's eyes start to glow white. They are now linked and he's going to go in with a force palm sensing the aura try and just grab it with his fist okay 28 fighting damage doubled to 56 big bop that is a mm bop mm bop <laughs> that is a Hanson <laughs> and a half <laughs> so again this time up close to the uh, the Registeel it just it can sense through its aura it can sense one of the Registeel's weak spots and just pushes its fist right into its uh, into its abdomen just sending a shockwave throughout it after taking that amount of damage, he just picks up both of his arms and he's going to slam the floor again and just trying to knock Lucario off its balance with a bulldoze. Nat 20. With a nat 20, I'm just going to say Rowdy manages to avoid all damage from the bulldoze and you can stay soul bonded. Sweet. 
without having nice. to put, hold up concentration. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You've mm. Nat 20 will do magical things in the world of D&D. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, well, yeah, so the ground's rippling. Rowdy's just managing to... He, he almost, like, jumps on top of one of the pillars and just rides out the vibration. Mm. And then Momo's still flying around after taking this flash cannon and slightly missing its last attack. Uh, seeing Rowdy Lucario move out of harm's way a little bit, seeing sensing a bit of an opportunity, seeing the registeel might start to might be starting to get a little bit worried. Momo's gonna pull it down to the ground again, let off a bulldoze. So yeah, Momo strikes the ground as hard as he can, but it's still just a small gligar, so whilst making enough of an impact to send some shockwaves, it's not maybe as big as what it would be if it was a slightly larger poke. The light subsides and your vision comes back to you and you see the the room with Rowdy on top of a pillar. You're like, oh, get up there. What's happened there? Mm. I want to try something cool. Go for it. Instinctively, Rowdy, you can see him palms by his side start charging up this big blue sphere and I want to charge it for a turn to do double damage next turn yeah alright <laughs> it's good enough for Super Smash Brothers when you've got to charge up an aura sphere it's good enough for Mystery Dungeons and Dark Rise sick okay cool so Rowdy so you see this glowing yeah blue light so Rowdy's up top Reggie Steel is looking at Momo who's just slammed into the ground uh, for the lap, that last bulldoze and he's going to go in with a hammer arm and swat it 31 fighting damage which is hard to 15 Momo's literally is just as so all of this is happening at once um, Momo's just hit the ground as Lucario starts to charge up his aura sphere and as soon as Momo has hit the ground and the Reggie Steel has taken its damage from the bulldoze. It just comes crashing down with that with its hammer arm and just bonks Momo, who, for something as small as it is, just shakes it off and gets straight back into the air, ready to go. Ready to go in close quarters combat. So with the hammer arm, it does take a you know a fairly big hit still. So it's not going to quite be able to get the speed up to go for a bulldoze. So we're just going to go in close and try and swipe it with a faint attack just to keep its attention so Lucario can most definitely hit spear off uh, 11 dark damage takes 11 oh yes right Ooh. no light keep going so this sphere now has just gone his route is holding it above his head and it is just turning into this is almost filling the, the space above him it is a for anyone who watches Naruto a giant Rasengan or a spirit bomb if you watch Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> and he just brings, just starts to just hold it and then just with a quick spin of his wrist, just sends it like curve falling towards the register. So is it coming from above or is it? Above down, yeah. Right, I want Momo to make a deck save. Yeah, I thought that was coming. Oh, fuck, I didn't think about that. It's fine. Uh, 16. Yeah, fine. So Momo can just get out of harm's way. Um, it's still in melee range, but it manages to just escape the aura sphere as it comes down and hits the Reggie Steel. So 36. 
which is then doubled to 72. 72. <laughs> Landed some big old hits with this Lucario. Okay. <laughs> I love when you see him do maths and you just, he just goes, okay. <laughs> After taking this, so the Registeel sees the Aurosphere coming and it just opens its arm wide and grabs the Aurosphere and it's holding on to it and trying to like condense it but it's taking so much damage from the sheer power of this giant Aurosphere that when it dissipates the Registeel is sort of just it's almost knocked back but looking up at Rowdy something so large and so heavy you're quite surprised to see it jump through the air to hit it with another hammer arm oh <laughs> shit so Rowdy tries to tries to shield himself but has used up most of his energy with the Aurosphere so can't detect it it's 25 fighting damage takes it with Double. 1 HP what <laughs> doubled <laughs> yeah Oh my god, that's ace. Oh, I've got 51 Ooh. HP. So the yeah, the um, the Reggie Steel jumps through the air like um oh, uh, Street Fighter just uppercuts Rowdy with the hammer arm. Sky uppercut and just sends him flying into the air and lands with a massive crash on the ground. The Reggie Steel. And you see Chuck also get flung into the air, recoiling and the bond is broken. <gasps> Bond is broken. I'm not even rolling concentration. I just don't. I don't think you can keep that up after that. No, that was a pretty happy hit. And Rowdy. So has Chuck Rowdy's, been knocked on his ass? Yeah. Cool. Chuck gets himself to his feet. Rowdy and says, shouts, "Rowdy, come on, we can do this." How much damage did you take? Fifty. Yeah. Don't know. I'm gonna get Chuck to take a quarter of the damage as well. Oh. So twelve and a half. So he's gonna take twelve damage from that. As he gets knocked into the air and flung backwards as well. Yeah. Chuck picks himself up. He's got a bit of a bruised lip. He's scraped his arm. Some blood starting to trickle down from his shoulder. He shouts at Rowdy, holding his shoulder, kind of a bit limp, and shouts, Come on, Rowdy, we've got this. Get get up. And Rowdy just about one, one fist on the floor first, then one knee, then slowly starts to get to his feet. Felix seeing all this go on and seeing Chuck get thrown in the air as well with his obviously with the soul bond link. Don't want to risk it and seeing especially with Mom, uh, especially with Rowdy looking so worse for wear. No need doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this sort of fight. Felix shouts out to Momo, get in there, help out Rowdy, distract that red steel, hit it with a faint attack. 17 dark damage. So Momo sort of flies in, swipes at the back of this registeel and blows a big rasp- raspberry in its kind of, where it thinks its ears would be to try and get its attention away from Lucario. Lucario's up. Uh, I want to do a perception check on the registeel. Okay, go for it. 12. It, it's nowhere near its pristine self as it was when it started the battle. And it looks like it's covered in dents. Its red eyes are starting to like flicker. Okay. Chuck's seeing that Rowdy really doesn't have much left to give. Says, Rowdy, come on back. Amazing job. I, but I'm going to probably need you later. Mako, let's go. Let's finish this off. Gabite comes out. Okay. Starts like, hold, he holds his arms up like blades and starts like sharpening them against each other. 
Reggie Steele holds up its hand in front of Momo's face as it like flies backwards away from the faint attack and that arm just starts to glow and he's going to try and fire off a flash cannon at close range 21 steel damage Momo sees this blinding flash of light come from the Registeel doesn't have time to get out of the way of it and just takes the full brunt of it in his spread out wings smashes him into a pillar some 10-15 feet behind him and his eyes start to swirl no Momo's down oh no yes <laughs> That's what the red steel does. Just fits up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Felix reluctantly takes a big sigh, holds up the pokeball and returns Momo. Says, "Fantastic job! You did so so great out there. We couldn't have got this far without you." Reaches down to his belt and goes, "We need to finish this." Houdini. Maximus. <laughs> It's your time to shine, buddy. So I'm going to bring out Maximus. Cool. He lands with a bit of a sizzle on this metallic floor. Okay, he's going to get straight into the action. Yeah, Maximus lands straight away. Bit of a sizzle from the floor. Surveys the scene and sees this unfamiliar grey shape in front of him. Turns to look at Felix, gives him a nod, and without hesitation, opens his bill and lets out a flamethrower. Natural 20. Fantastic. So it'll take a quarter. 11. So it'll take 11 fire damage. So, after being so sure and being so cocky, Maximus lets out what he thinks is a massive flamethrower, but seeing as it is the first one he's ever done, it goes out with more of a a sizzle than a a rupture. Nice. Chucks up. Yes, no blinding. All right, Marco, let's go straight in there with a sand tomb. Nine ground damage. Which will Wait, then get which doubled. Yes, it's to, to keep it as 19. Uh, yeah, fine. So Marco comes out as he's sharpening his blades like a, like, he, like a chef would on a sabatier. Starts to just slash at the ground. It's posh work for you. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've got a sabatier. <laughs> Starts to slash at the ground, just cutting into this metal and then cuts through underneath to the, the clay sort of rock sand underneath just whips that towards the Registeel okay the Registeel having both of you at a bit of a distance with the breather is going to go for a bulldoze 21 ground damage so that'll be doubled for magma and half the gabai yep with the both of you quite far away it just lifts both of its arms into the ground again just slams them down sending ripples through the ground and you can hear where like where Mako's been scratched through the steel on the floor it's starting to crack around to you all as the entire room shakes with the bulldoze Go on, puts Magma down does it really? Maxim- no I didn't put it down oh. uh, I was like I'm so sorry oh. I didn't mean to knock it out well I did no but- no no He's quite a, quite a chunky boy. Um, puts Maximus down to one knee and one fist on the floor. Sort of shakes him to his very core, feeling very literally moved by that as well as figuratively moved. Takes a deep breath in. Felix shouts out, don't take that. Come on, I know you've got it within you. Burn it bright, burn it down. Flamethrower, 19. Okay, fire damage on that one. The Reggie Steel takes the flamethrower 
in the same sort of pose as it was in the start of the fight, just lifting up its two arms in front of its face. And you see the metal on its arm starts to glow like a brighter white than you've seen it glow. It's not doing well. Keep going. Yes, no blinding. Okay, with this sort of hole and cracks in the floor, Maka can feel the earth underneath his feet a bit better now. There's a stronger sense for where the ground is. We're going to go for another sand tomb. Let's trap it. Let's finish it off. Natural one. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Finally. Come on. So 23 ground damage doubled. 46. 46. Reggie Steele, after taking that massive hit, turns to the Gabite, turns to Mako, and it's just going to go for another flash cannon. I was going to say, Ma- Mako is he's basically sent a stream of sand that is just kind of almost like chains holding its feet yeah. and arms just trying to like, wrestle with it. So the Reggie Steel lifts its arm up and tries to send a flash cannon like a beam of light mm. straight towards the source of the chains. 18 steel damage. Maximus. 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 Seeing these sandy chains reach out and affix the red steel in place Maximus gets to his feet and in his head he can start to hear Maximus 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 Chuck turns to Felix thumb out (laughs) (laughs) to the side just starts wavering it yes (laughs) and then tilts it thumb down Maximus rears his head back almost laughing as he's inhaling all the air he can around him lets out with a giant jet of flame of a flamethrower towards this Registeel. 22 fire damage. 44. Double, to 44. Double to 44. It's got to be it. Tell me how you knock it out. Yes, Sick. finally. Yes. Jesus. Good fight. Good fight. Maximus hearing these imaginary chants in his head, seeing Chuck give this Registeel a thumbs down, <laughs> knows he needs to bring out something big here. And it's taken him a little while to warm up. He rears his head back, opens his eyes, locks straight on to the red steel and lets out a massive jet of flame that engulfs the whole thing. You just see the red steel starts to shine a bright orange as the heat just hits it and heats it up and heats it up and heats it up until it can stand no longer. Nice. Good job. Mako drops the drops the sand tomb and just does a, like a flashes a grin towards Maximus. And Maximus spins to look at Chuck and Felix with his arms outstretched. <laughs> and the Reggie Steel just hits the floor and doesn't get back up. So you're each going to receive 13,050 XP. So there's another flash of light, and the fallen Reggie Steel just vanishes. And then you hear a rumble as the metal panel blocking the doorway starts to lift up until the way ahead is completely unblocked. Felix takes a big breath in, (sighs) relaxes himself and goes, I know we've beaten a couple of these before, or, well, something similar. Never quite get over the things that we're fighting here. How you doing, Chuck? Chuck's still clutching his shoulder and says, I think we're going to pull through and turns to look at Gabite and says, good job. Now let's finish this. So you go through the doorway and enter a small circular room. In the centre of the room, 
is a large, almost triangular-shaped floating rock, which is slowly turning in mid-air. The top of the rock is smooth and long, but the bottom two sides that meet in the middle at a point are rough. On the rock is carved a strange symbol. A circle sits in the middle with four lines in a cross pattern, connecting it to two larger semicircles on the outside, almost like a wheel with a cross running through it. As you stare at the symbol, everything goes dark. You're both standing on a flat rock looking over a grassy plain where two crowds are amassing before you. The black and purple monsters are by your side. The sun is bright, there is a cool breeze in the air and you can see the ripples in the long grass as it flows back and forth with the breeze. On your left, monsters of all shapes, colours and sizes begin to come together, forming a large group. And opposite them, another group gathers, this one full of hundreds of men and women. And by the way they're dressed, it looks as though they've come from all over the region. The two sides seem peaceful at first, as you both step forward to address the crowds. But some of the men and the women break from their group, stepping towards you, shaking their fists in the air and pointing over to the monsters with angry looks on their faces. More and more men and women are stepping forward, joining the protesters, and someone picks up a rock from the ground and hurls it into the crowd of monsters. And then someone else throws another, and then another. The monsters are starting to get riled up. The smaller monsters can be seen cowering underneath the larger ones, some of which have very, very angry looks on their faces and you can tell that the peace is not going to hold for long. You both turn to look at your friends as they move past you, standing on the edge of the rock and looking from side to side, unsure what to do. You're not sure which side breaks first, but suddenly the two crowds are just rushing at each other, and then all chaos breaks loose. Human and monster become mixed as the two crowds clash. Over your shoulder you feel a warmth and you hear the cry of a small pink monster as you turn to see it floating between you. It stops just ahead of you and your companions, overlooking the battle that has broken out. And you cover your eyes as the small monster lets out a blinding pink light and a cry like none other you've ever heard before. You look back across the battle, nothing has changed. And looking at each other, you feel a sense of hopelessness, as though nothing will stop the fighting. And then a loud crack echoes above you, and the cloudless sky darkens. You hear screams from the crowds, and the humans and monsters both look up as a blinding gold light appears, and inside your head you hear a deep, booming voice. Enough! From the blinding light appears the largest monster you've ever seen. Its 
fur a gleaming white, and its mane pulling away from its head, and its long tail trailing behind it as it glides down through the air. Its four pointed feet are tipped with golden hooves, as are parts of its grey face, and a golden cross-like wheel is attached to its abdomen. I am saddened. When I created this world, it was a place of peace. But all I can sense is the overwhelming anger and fear. There is no place for this in my world. You are not worthy to live in this domain. I shall eradicate the fear, the anger, and when I am done, we will begin again. And with another loud crack, the white monster disappears. And you look at each other, realising the voice you heard wasn't just in your head, but everyone's. You gaze over the crowds and see the fighting has stopped, with humans and monsters looking around blankly, some holding their heads. You let out a big sigh in relief, and you look towards the small pink monster floating ahead of you. It turns slowly with tears in its eyes and something is wrong. A short way away from where the crowds were fighting, a crack in the ground appears and then suddenly a black arm with three grey fingers smashes through the ground and out climbs a large monster with a metallic spherical body and a black line running down its centre six red glowing dots in a hexagonal pattern in the middle of its chest. The monster lets out a cry and fires a beam of light into the crowd, cutting both humans and monsters in half. Screams and roars travel and everybody starts to run in panic. Something large flies over your head, narrowly missing both of you. And when you look up, you see a large rock has landed in the middle of one of the crowds with a tremendous thud. Then another falls from the sky, crushing more people and monsters alike. And you turn around to see three golem-like creatures made of rocks with orange glowing lights on their faces in the shape of an H. One of them smashes its rocky arms into the ground and picks up a large boulder before hurling it over your head into the mass of fleeing humans and monsters. Before you can react, your breath starts to cloud in front of your face as the air becomes deathly cold. You see a white cloud swirling through the mass of the fleeing parties, leaving anything or anyone it touches frozen in place, their skin turned an icy white and small icicles form following the cloud. From above glides down what seem to be large blocks of ice, each with yellow glowing dots in a cross shape where their faces would be. The small pink monster lets out a panicked cry, and you see a pulse of pink light once more. You feel a strange sensation like you're being pulled through a small tube head first, and with a pop you feel the sun beating down on you once more. You open your eyes and look around to see you're standing under a great tree in an area that was once ravaged by fire. 
but has once again started to show signs of new life. You're standing at the head of a group of monsters and humans, a much smaller group of those who stood before you not even an hour ago. The pink monster lets out a little cry as it falls to the ground. And in its big, tearing eyes, you just see a reflection of the great tree. Once again, everything goes a blinding white. As you both cover your eyes and find yourselves back in the steel temple facing the floating rock. Above you, you hear the familiar cry of a Pokemon and look up to see Mew floating. The pink creature descends to your eye level and you can't help but notice the sad look in its wide eyes as it floats in front of you. You feel your Pokeballs shake on your belts as Mew lets out a pink glow and a soothing cry, and you feel the ground shift beneath you. But this time, something's different. Everything goes black, and you feel yourselves being suspended in nothingness. Around you, rocks start to form, and you hear yourselves calling out as you see Reggie Rock fall to the ground with Inky floating above it. The rocks fade into the darkness and you feel a chill run through your entire body as you see a large icy room, again hearing your own voices as Regi sinks into an icy floor in front of a finger-gunning Lucario. The ice fades and you feel the chill leave you as the space changes to a metal room and you see the Registeel fall to the ground with Maximus standing in front of it with its arms out wide. Your cheers echo around the room. And then the room falls away into darkness. And once again you find yourself suspended. You hear the sounds of the three Reggies coming from all directions, getting louder and louder, and then silence. You jolt forwards as something pulls you, and you find yourselves flying faster and faster through a large dark cavern, across the surface of an underground lake, with stalagmites and stalactites coming out of the water and ceiling, and you suddenly stop. A large wall stands before you, and carved into the wall are crude images of the three Regis, placed in a triangle around what looks to be an image of a throne. Carved into the middle of the throne is the symbol that you have tattooed on your arms. A crack appears down the middle of the wall as it splits into two halves and opens towards you. As the sound of the Regis gets louder once more, you hear a voice from the darkness. Find me. You hit the hard metallic floor and the light of day startles you. As you try and shake it off, you hear the panicked voices of Dwayne and Kai. We have to get them out of here, they can't be seen! And you feel yourselves being pulled to your feet. You feel the smooth metal floor dragging beneath you, and then the cool morning air hits your face. Your eyes try and adjust to the light, and you make it down the steps, still in a daze, stumbling across the grass and holding on to your two companions, you come to an abrupt halt. Chief, can, can, can you hear that? 
we need to get these two hidden somewhere far away from the temple. But as you look up, you see three dark figures emerging from a green blur. I think it's too late for that. And your vision finally focuses to see Alec standing in front of Matt and Shelley. Who was the mysterious voice? Will our heroes make it off Honomukapuni alive? And where are Mac and Derek? Well, episode 43, Not All Treasure is Gold, drops in two weeks on November 2nd. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. See you next time.